The Start On Demand. On demand. As you know, here on The Start, we like to ask tough questions. And this morning, we asked the question, what is your favorite TV theme song? We had tons of fun talking about that this morning, so you'll hear some of those theme songs throughout the podcast. We also, of course, focused on the latest in COVID-19 and how it is affecting people. For example, if you are now out of work because of this pandemic, what do you do about your bills and your debt? We'll speak to a Winnipeg woman who's been waiting for over a week for her COVID-19 test results. We'll find out how the nurses are handling the latest developments with 14 new cases announced on Wednesday. And we'll speak to the health minister to find out if they are going to mandate that non-essential businesses close. And we'll ask him, should the liquor marts still be open? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, March 26th podcast for The Start. I'm going to play something for you, and I want to see if you guys recognize this, okay? Mackling, any idea what that is? Uh, I want to say Streets of San Francisco, but you, that's not sir. what it is. Yes, it is. Is it really? It's the Streets of San Francisco. Yes! Oh, there it is. Carl <laughs> Baldwin. Starring... Carl Malden, also starring Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yes, a young Michael Douglas. I love it. I never watched this show, but uh, I, I, this came up years ago when we were talking about TV theme songs. And one of the one of our listeners said, "The Streets of San Francisco had an awesome theme song," and holy smokes, were they correct? So <laughs> I just I'm glad you went to Greg first because I have I don't have a hot clue what you're talking about. Well, not at all. Yeah, and I think I'm just gonna look up what when this show was on. Uh, it was a 1970s show. Yeah. It, it, so yeah, Loren, it, it finished June 9th, 1977. So Ooh, I was born nine days later. Yeah, so but neither of us go. would have seen it, but <laughs> I figured maybe Greg would have seen it because he's got a couple of years on us. Just a couple, just a couple, not yes, making yes. any, no making can, old man jokes or anything like that. Can I make okay. a suggestion, though? I like the way they introduce people back in some of those shows. I think we should bring that back for the start, that voice, like, with Brett McGarry. <laughs> and, right? No, I we, we did that actually when the couch potatoes first launched, like over ten years ago. We had our we made it sound like it was uh, like a late night talk show being introduced. So we had uh, the theme song was Gorilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine, and uh, we I, I remember I had this like huge crowd applause come on, and then it or the voice guy said something like. Live from CJOB, it's Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, the Couch Potatoes. And it was so over the top and ridiculous, but uh, I, I liked it. It was like, if you could walk into the room with that kind of an intro every time, yeah, that'd be cool. Plus, are there bongos playing in that? The, in the San Francisco theme song? I think, uh, well, what kind of drum am I listening try to? Try it again. I don't know, Fortier, you're a you're a drummer. Can you identify the percussion? Um, could be bongos, could be congas. 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 <laughs> congas. <laughs> congas. <laughs> like the really, really 
tall bongos. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. But yeah, so we're going to have a conversation at 645, your favorite TV theme songs, because we've been talking this week about TV shows. And the cheesy old TV shows often had the best theme songs. So many shows from the, the, the 80s in particular, uh, I think, had awesome sitcoms. Loren can... I know you're not going to sing, but I bet you you've probably sang the theme song for Growing Pains once or twice. <laughs> Ooh, yes, but I'm trying to remember it now. You've put me on because I, I was looking this up just now. Growing Pains, Family Ties, and it, and it's funny because when you look at like lists of top twenty TV show theme songs, a lot of them are more recent, but a lot of the newer shows just have music, right? Like they're catchy, like you know mm-hmm. the music. But you don't. They don't have words. They don't have inspirational words like the growing pains or who's the boss. Well, I've got the theme for growing pains here. I'm just oh, uh, fixing the audio, and uh, here we go. Show me that smile. <laughs> Show me that smile. Me that smile. I promise I'm not going to sing. I want to. <laughs> so good. I know. As long as we got <laughs> yes. So text us your favorite TV themes, uh, theme songs, 204-780-6868. Doesn't matter what era it's from. It could be like the Stranger Things theme song, which is amazing. I love that one. And that's a, a current Netflix show. Um, the Office, of course, has one of the greatest theme songs of all yep. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, no lyrics. It's inspiring me with its nice, bouncy, jaunty run up the piano keys, but no lyrics. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, one of the best TV theme songs ever. And it's a current one. All the themes we were visiting were sort of older, so I like that this one kind of harkens back to those old-school 70s cop shows. So keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868 on your favorite TV theme songs, and we will weave those. We'll scatter them throughout the show this morning on CJOB. In our next segment, we want to talk about whether or not liquor marts should still be open, but we start this hour on the subject of cash. For the the past few days, we've been getting messages about lineups at Service Canada Centres where unemployed Manitobans now find themselves waiting to talk to a government official about signing up for EI. Greg? Yeah, there are some people that just don't have a login to a CRA account. I know when I signed up for mine years ago, you actually had to request it online and then your temporary password would be mailed to you. I don't know if they've changed anything on that front, but based on what we're hearing and what I saw with my own two eyes at one of the service centers in North Winnipeg yesterday, uh, where I saw about a dozen people lined up, that is the option that uh, people are either A, more comfortable with, or have no choice but to engage in. Now, we know help is coming with Ottawa just yesterday passing its $82 billion package geared at keeping millions of Canadians afloat. It's called the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, and it includes $2,000 per month for the next four months for workers affected by COVID-19. So this is maybe your EI benefits have expired in the last several days or weeks. This is an option if you have been unable to to find work or maybe you're self-employed, you're a contract worker and you don't qualify for EI. We know this virus has killed businesses and 
As Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau explains, the emergency aid package will include both direct support and tax deferrals. We are working in order to make sure that we have the capacity to protect Canadians, to get ourselves through this, and to come out of this challenge. This is, we expect, a very challenging time, but a temporary time, to come out of this challenge with our economy intact. But there's a whole lot of uncertainty, as you can imagine, and Greg outlined some of the reasons why. You might not qualify for EI, you might requ- you might qualify for this business, you might be a small business that is asking all sorts of questions, and there's people who've lost their jobs, and there's Manitobans who are still worried about losing their jobs in the days or weeks to come. Tim St. Vincent is the financial educator for the Credit Counseling Society here in Manitoba. He's based in Winnipeg and joins us now. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're, we're good. We're trying to navigate our way through so many questions that Manitobans have, as you can imagine, Tim. And one of them is, if you suddenly find yourself without a job, what should be the first step that you do at that moment? Because you, you might feel like you're drowning a bit. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely like a stressful time uh, for a lot of people. Um, and, and the flurry of emotions they go through are huge. Really, what I recommend is you have to assess your finances, right? You, you have to do a finance. Uh, triage and, and what I mean by that is you have to really look at, at, at the basics how much money's coming in how much money's going out where is it all going you know what can I reduce what can I eliminate and really what I'm talking about is doing a budget you know and and that's always the core of any type of financial planning you need to do you need to start with the budget uh, half the country has no budget half the country is living paycheck to paycheck and, and I don't think that's a coincidence so it's really a good time to get back to that fundamental which debt should I pay first? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, and and I, I don't want to give a global answer because really it, everyone has to go back and look at the particular situations. We have to start by looking at the basics. You know, do we have food? Do we have shelter? Are we able to take care of our health care needs? Um, that's really, at a time like this, you have to have to go really back to the core, back to those basics. Um, you know, assess what resources are available out there, you know, the a few moments ago, someone on air was, uh, was mentioning about looking at Service Canada. Absolutely, look, look at what type of resources are uh, available there. Um, you know, approach your mortgage lender if you're having financial difficulties. Um, talk to your credit card company, uh, whoever you have your line of credit with, your credit cards with. And, and don't be afraid to say, hey, I'm having some problems um, because a lot of us are right now. And, and they do legitimately you know, want to help you and see if they can find a solution that will work for everybody. Tim, uh, expand on that a little bit, because I think uh, for some people, picking up the phone or sending an email to someone they have or a business, a bank, whether it be a credit card company or finance company, uh, have no problem reaching out. But there are some of us in society that have apprehension about either it's a situation with their pride, they're embarrassed, or they're overwhelmed with the notion of reaching out to one of these organizations that they deal with on a monthly basis to just let them know what's going on. And, and just tell us how willing those organizations are to work with us to, to make it a, a tiny bit easier if they can. Sure, absolutely. And, and you're quite correct. It's a huge psychological barrier for, for many people to, to cross. I mean, as an organization, we try and help people who are having financial difficulties before they get to the stage of, of needing a bankruptcy. And fairly often people come to us just a little too late and it's because they have problems uh, crossing that barrier. It's really important for people to realize that even before all this happened, Canada as a whole, we'd like to think of ourselves being financially sound and for the most part we are, but a recent survey showed that 44% of working Canadians would find it hard to pay their bills 
if the paycheck was delayed just one week. So a good chunk of the country is struggling. And, and people who come to us for help could range from someone who's maybe an unemployed day laborer to a professional making over 300000 a year. So people need to first cross that barrier of thinking, well, it's only me. Well, no, we have people from all income levels and all education backgrounds who are struggling. So you need to cross that barrier. You're not alone, and there, there are resources there to help you, including your lenders. Um, you know, the lenders um, are willing to reduce interest rates. They're willing to uh, defer payments. Um, but if you don't tell them you're struggling, if you don't know, if they don't know you're having challenges, they're just going to treat it like every regular payment. And if you miss the payment, it'll end up being reported to the credit bureaus and, and could hurt you. But if you develop a rapport with them, a relationship with them, you know, they will work with you. You have to realize though some of the financial impacts of it. So for example, um, a lot of uh, lenders are willing to defer the interest on uh, a mortgage payment now. That doesn't mean you don't make the payment. That means they'll, they'll take the interest portion that you're supposed to pay and say, that's okay, you don't have to pay it now because we understand you're having problems. But they'll take that interest portion that is due and they'll add it back into the principal. So over the long haul, you'll actually end up paying more. Um, but for many people, that trade-off is worth it because they just simply don't have the finances to pay now. So it's important to ask, but it's also important to understand the implications of, of the arrangements that are being made. Ask and be honest about where you are at in your life. So many lessons for all of us because we're not just, even if you haven't lost your job, you need to be thinking about these things, Tim. I want to thank you for your time mm-hmm. and hopefully we can bring you back on uh, in the next couple of days for more advice. There's some great tips here. Uh, thank you. Absolutely. We'd love to chat some more. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Forte. We're talking favorite TV theme songs because we were talking earlier this week about cheesy old shows that we used to love and maybe shouldn't have ever loved them or they wouldn't hold up in court anymore. And uh, there was that moment where Greg and I uh, butchered the theme song for The Greatest American Hero. So we are getting just bombarded with suggestions uh, from you, our listeners, at 204-780-6868. And why don't I start us off here? We mentioned uh, how 80s sitcoms, uh, they, they all had the formula uh, Jeff Braun, I think, how did you describe it in terms of the 80s and uh, the, the sitcoms and the, how formulaic they were? Somebody figured it out where it was about 24 minutes past the hour. It was exactly when the soft piano music would start up and everyone would start learning a lesson and have a nice little hug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and all you could also count on TV sitcoms from the 80s uh, just being like like really kind of almost symphonic i think in terms of their you know they had great lyrics and this sort of a swelling chorus like this one see if you recognize this McNabb? I, I actually was singing along with it but i don't know what it's from mackling do you know uh, is it Family Matters? No, it's Perfect Strangers, Perfect Strangers. with Balki Bartokomus. Oh, yes. <laughs> that one from uh, from Mike B. My buddy Burke is texting good. that one at a 204-780-6868. Thank you very much, sir. And now Kelly and Jeff Braun rarely come, they rarely agree on things here. But uh, Kelly, I think you guys might be... Oh, tell me, tell me it isn't so. Please. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Jeff, do you want to do you want me to play it or do you want to say it first? Uh, uh, honestly, when I was telling you what it was in the back of my mind, I thought I bet this is also Kelly's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have laid money on it. <laughs> yeah, if only. No, just play it. Everyone knows what it is. Cheers. And you know what? Listening to the lyrics of this song, this theme song couldn't be more timely. Exactly. You know, when I was uh, carving it up today to, to put it into the run for you, I thought, holy, like, does this one ever hit home? Yeah, I actually yeah. chose this one, too, but I saw it in the production in queue. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I can't pick that one now. <laughs> it's a hat trick. <laughs> Look at that. Cheers winning the day. So what did you end up going with, Forte? Oh, I end up going with... Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Oh. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. It's just nice. so much fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. And, maybe I seem and, a bit and that is the theme song for yeah, what maybe. show? Fraser. Which came from where, Jeff Braun? Cheers. Look at that. <laughs> so Cheers is just, just cleaning house here. Oh. Uh, Loren McNabb, I, I assumed that it would be The Office, but you tell me it's not. Well, I don't know if this is my favorite one, but when we, you talked about that symphonic, like how big the themes got, especially in the 80s and 90s, I remembered going down the street in Minnedosa. I don't know if you guys knew I grew up in Minnedosa, but um, I... <laughs> no, I didn't heard that before. <laughs> Only every morning at this time. <laughs> anyway, we, when we were bored, we used to do laps up and down the main street. Like you would just get in your car and do laps. And I'll never forget the time pulling up uh, at the stop sign, the one and only stop sign, and the car next to us was a friend of mine, and he had, blaring from his speakers, this song which he had recorded from his cassette player <laughs> off the TV just so he could cruise to this. <laughs> Anyone? Oh, I recognize this. Mm. It's a Canadian show. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. Danger Bay. Yes. Danger <laughs> Bay. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Well, and you I know what? I love this show. Oh. We got a lot of text messages to uh, people asking for the littlest hobo. I mean, that oh, comes yeah. up that, in terms of theme songs, Canadian theme songs. That one's great. I think I have that. I have a folder with like 600 TV theme songs. So let me just, uh, oh, you know what? The audio is too low. So while I'm dealing with that, uh, Greg, what's your suggestion? Okay, so the Flintstones is uh, hmm. like one C for me. If you ever have an earworm, just sing the Flintstones theme song and it resets everything. That's from my buddy Chuck LaFleche. Magnum P.I. is my yes. favorite from the 1980s. <laughs> Mike Post, Pete Carpenter, who did Hill Street Blues. They also did The White Shadow, Greatest American Hero, amongst others. But this is my favorite of all time. Forche, hit it. Gilligan's Island. There it is. Okay. I was wondering. I thought, is this Gilligan's Island? I don't quite remember. Uh, I unfortunately was a... old enough to watch this show when it actually was a hit. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew every word to the theme song, right, Oh, Kel? you know it. Absolutely. That and the Battle of Jed Clampett. 
The Ballad uh-huh. of Jed Clampett. From the Beverly Hillbillies. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll keep, those, keep it coming. 204-780-6868. One, one listener, I think it was Gary. I uh, can't remember off the top of my head, sorry. but uh, Or was it Greg? Might have been Greg Jack, who said Thundercats. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thunder, 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 thundercats. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Did you record that one, McNabb, and play it in Minnedosa while you were cruising? You know what? I didn't, but I still got time. I got a lot of time on my hands these days, guys. I'm going to start recording all sorts of theme songs and dancing to them. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Question of the day at cjob.com. Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. Should liquor marts and beer vendors still be open during the COVID-19 pandemic? Yes or no? Cast a vote at cjob.com. We put the poll up on our Instagram story earlier this morning. So far, it's like a 51-49 split for yes mm. and no. And on Twitter at 680CJOB, the early uh, vote goes to yes, 77% in favor of yes, 23% say no. And the headline at cjob.com is avoiding unintended consequences. Manitoba Liquor Mart stay open amid COVID-19. So here's what Chief Provincial Public Health Officer Dr. Brent Rusin has to say. According to my orders, they uh, they will remain open, uh, but we are reviewing those type of things uh, constantly. And uh, all of the unintended consequences of any choice we make, um, uh, we look at very closely before we implement it. We've got 90 seconds. Greg, what do you think first? And then we'll go to McNabb. Well, I think uh, for some people, it is uh, part of their life. It's as, as normal to have a glass of wine with their meal as it is for people who smoke to have a cigarette, for those that do other things that, that aren't necessarily a vice. They're not necessarily addicted, but it's a, it's a normal part of life. And we do have people who are unfortunately addicted and I would suspect and suggest that keeping that, uh, keeping those materials available to them might be a good idea. I think that one of the issues with the, those struggling with addictions is, a, and it was mentioned by several people through social media yesterday who work in this sort of line, was that if you take that away from them, what struggles would they have as they go through withdrawal? What other things might they turn to uh, to compensate for the lack of alcohol? And then would that put more strain on the healthcare system at a time when we don't need it if those people end up in hospital as a result of not having access to alcohol. So it's easy to sit there at home and say it's non-essential, right? You don't need it. You might want it socially, but you don't need it. And then there's that whole other vein for people uh, working through addictions, Brett. You can weigh in. You can text us 204-780-6868. And again, that is our question of the day at cjob.com. And we have put that question up as a poll on Facebook, on Twitter at 680CJOB, and once again on Instagram at 680CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb right now. Loren, we want to talk about getting tested for COVID-19. Yeah, and Brett, we're starting to hear from our listeners that there has been a lengthy delay in testing in some cases for coronavirus. Of course, this comes at a time as Manitoba saw a 14-person increase in confirmed and probable COVID-19 cases just yesterday. So our next guest has been waiting over a week for her results, and we're going to bring her on in a moment. But first, we want to hear from Dr. Brent Rusin on why there have been some challenges in processing some of these tests. As of yesterday, over 4,800 tests have been completed at Cadham Provincial Lab for COVID-19. There were 352 tests done yesterday. 
I can confirm that Cadham Provincial Lab has now been able to make its own viral transport medium. Uh, they are uh, developed a workaround to address uh, some of the uh, shortage with the uh, reagent issue that we're seeing globally. And the lab is continuing to work on other options to increase its capacity. The Manitoba's chief public officer re-emphasized the province's policy that travelers returning home from elsewhere have a job to do. For those returning from international travel or even interprovincial travel, you must self-isolate for 14 days. This includes individuals and families returning from long-term winter vacations. This is staying home for 14 days, uh, not shopping, not running errands. Uh, there's help if you need uh, some assistance with that. But uh, all the international travellers, all those returning from interprovincial travel, self-isolate 14 days. This is very important to protect our communities. This, of course, is a responsibility our next guest took upon herself almost two weeks ago, Greg. Yeah, Winnipeg psychologist Dr. Kirsten Wirth has been self-isolating since returning home from Las Vegas March 13. Dr. Wirth joins us now. Uh, Kirsten, uh, thanks for this. Uh, you decided to self-isolate upon your return, and we spoke to you at length about the, the things that you saw and more concerningly what, what you didn't see, but just want to talk to you about uh, the fact that you were eventually approved for testing. How did that come about and when did you actually get tested? So we were home on Friday the 13th, late at night, and my husband had already had a bit of a cough and he kept complaining that his um, he was having trouble taking a deep breath. And by Sunday, well, Saturday, I started calling HealthLink. By Sunday, I started having a cough and I had like I felt like my chest was being squeezed I wouldn't and um, and then it just kind of kept getting worse and so we were calling every day health links and we're just repeatedly because it was not even a busy like it was just a busy signal or it would just hang right up um, it took till Wednesday the 18th that I finally got through to health links and I waited in on hold for two hours and then um, when I talked to the nurse and she and we said we had been traveling, these are our symptoms, she said you should go get tested. So we went to Seven Oaks because my husband had already been having the shortness of breath and so she sent us right to the hospital test instead of to one of the access centers. And um, we were in and out pretty quick and they said we were going to have the results in 48 hours approximately. So by... Friday night or Saturday morning, I called the hospital to see if our results were in because we were just starting to get worried if they got lost or what was going on. And they said, oh, actually, now it's taking more to, than like four to five days and count the weekend as one day instead of two days. So then I phoned again yesterday because um, that was day eight now. And they said, well, we're being told it's taking up to 10 days now to get the results but keep self-isolating. Well, we are anyway, but I'm worried how many people aren't, you know, how many people are like, oh, you know, I'm fine. I think I can run out to the store. 
That's a big concern, I think. And I, it's, it's why we keep hearing a health officials say repeatedly that, you know, even if you haven't been tested, we're supposed to be taking all these additional measures. And you've been doing that. When, when you got told yesterday that it could take up to 10 days, what goes through your mind in terms of what that might mean for you and your health? Because in theory, if you hear at the end of the 10 days, well, you're almost through that 14-day period. So what would be your next step? Well, um, I mean, it's frustrating just waiting to hear if we were positive or not. If not, it was just the weirdest cold I've ever had. Um, And if we are, I think I would be feeling kind of relieved because we're kind of we're over that hump now. Like we've been feeling better for a few days. We started working out again. Um, And so I would be kind of relieved knowing that I did have it. And now I don't have to worry as much because my body's built up that immunity to it. Um, And if not, then I'm more worried because then it's kind of scary to think about venturing out into the community again, even just to go get supplies. What have you been doing for supplies? Like, do you have help in that front? Yeah, my mom has been running out to the store every few days or so with a list and then she'll... Um, we'll open the garage and she'll bring things in while we stand a good distance away. And then we'll talk, you know, from about 10 feet apart at a minimum. Um, And then we spray the groceries with Lysol and wait a little while to bring them in and try to sanitize everything and make sure we're washing really good and things like that. So, um, and then save on food has been like, has a delivery service. So we've used that once or twice before and that's contactless now as well so it's it's been okay kirsten thanks for this and uh hope you guys are are continue to feel better and please uh, keep us up to date and let us know what your test results uh turned up if you're willing to share that with us yeah will do McGarry and McNabb, we've been asking you for your favorite TV theme songs, and we got many people texting us at 204-780-6868 saying, Batman! Of course, Batman with one of the greatest theme songs of all time. And one of our listeners pointed out it only has one One word. word. (laughs) (laughs) Two! Two! Batman and nah! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I asked him. You don't count the na 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 as words. So keep those coming at 204-780-6868. We are having a lot of fun with that, and we appreciate all the feedback that we're getting on that. And, and Loren, uh, the Batman theme song, I suppose, is apropos as we look to our frontline workers who really are our modern-day superheroes. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we've heard stories of Manitobans giving standing ovations to staff at COVID-19 testing centers. We've heard about kids drawing cards and letters for frontline workers. And as much stress as this crisis has brought to all of our daily lives, I we know it has to be so much more challenging for, you know, even the grocery store workers, gas station attendants, paramedics, doctors, nurses who are seeing the impact that all of this is having on our health care system, Greg. No question. And there are many questions around testing, equipment, personal protective gear, 
and what is still needed in this fight. And now we're going to hear from the group that represents many of those workers. Darlene Jackson is the president of the Manitoba Nurses Union and joins us now. Darlene, wouldn't it be terrific to be just talking about uh, pay raises and staff shortages and some of the things that, that we thought were a big deal three months ago? That would be terrific. You are so well, correct. We're still talking about staff shortages, though. Uh, yeah, well, uh, we're in a, a, a pandemic. Yeah, so let's talk about that in terms of uh, what what you are short of. That you know, uh, technically still early days here, but what are you hearing from those on the front line as we have one individual in critical condition with COVID nineteen? Well, you know, as the, as the number of cases rise, it's still nurses' primary concern uh, to provide patient care. And we are really ensuring that all care providers out there on the front lines are, are safe in the line of duty. And we're working a bit with, um, with the government and the college to uh, try and streamline, uh, streamline some uh, registration processes. We do have nurses that have retired that are interested in uh, helping. So we've been working with the college and the governments on that. Uh, we've been working with the government and the employers on some ways to deploy staff if necessary to um, areas of greatest need. So th- those are things that we've been doing with the government. Um, I think it's really important that the government increases its testing capacity. Uh, as other jurisdictions are doing, I think it's really um, important that we know exactly how many cases we have out there. And uh and we can control what's happening on those lines. So it's clear there's going to be an issue in sourcing enough personal protective equipment going forward. Health Minister asking businesses to consider manufacturing everything from respirators to surgical masks. Are you hearing of any shortages? Well, we are, we are definitely hearing from nurses who are out there doing the testing that they are concerned because uh, they're not uh, using the N95 masks. So I've been very vocal on this. Our position on N95s is based on best practices that's recommended by the Center of Disease Control and the World Health Organization. And their recommendation is N95s for doing the swabbing um, and the testing. Nurses are not allowed to use those right now. And I'm hearing lots of concerns from nurses. And uh, I have concerns if you're not providing the appropriate equipment and supplies in adequate amounts. It's like sending someone to a forest fire with a, with a water pistol. And nurses are very concerned for their own health, for the health of their coworkers and their patients, because if we start losing frontline providers to this virus, this system's gonna fall apart. What's your suggestion there, Darlene? And I, and I hear what you're saying because I know in BC yesterday they released information that I, I believe the number was 55 uh, nurses within the healthcare system who have contracted COVID-19. So we know that your folks are at higher risk. But at the same time, when the whole world is grappling with this, how do we keep up with the supply of these badly needed, needed items when everybody is dealing with shortages? What's the solution? Well, I think it's really uh, important that uh, the government has gone out and done the ask to uh, to bring in uh, as many N95s, as many NAP masks as they can from the private sector. I think that's really important. I think it's really important to point out that uh, following the SARS 
epidemic and following H1N1, there was reviews done and there was recommendations made to stockpile uh, supplies required for a pandemic. And I don't believe that's been done because uh, this world has been in a shortage almost from the minute this pandemic started. So I think it's really important that we learn lessons from previous experiences. And uh, if if there are uh, N95s, if there are surgical masks, if there are if there is um, hand sanitizer out there, I do absolutely join the government in encouraging uh, private sectors to please donate that. We need to keep our frontline health providers safe because if they fall ill, we are in big trouble. We are already in an acute nursing shortage and, and that would just make that shortage even worse. Even worse. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb mentioned just before sports. Gas 59.9 at Costco this morning, and I was just stupefied by that. And we got a text here from someone who says, I have a photographic memory. November 1998, 57 cents. 59 in December 1998. Rob also saying, when I started driving at 16, gas was 55.9. I'm 39 now, so 23 years ago. And Rob goes on to say, can I ask a big favor? Can we give a shout out to all newspaper carriers and couriers that are always on the job, rain or shine, good and bad weather, and what with this virus to help get the news out. Thanks a bunch. So, Rob, uh, great point. I mean, there are so many people we need to thank during this time of crisis. And on the subject of this pandemic, two weeks ago today, Manitoba had its first case of COVID-19, and every day since health officials have held a briefing to update Manitobans on where we are at in terms of the number of cases, as well as recommendations, or in many cases, orders on what we should or shouldn't be doing. And we've said all along, it's a rapidly changing situation, and we know that what might be said this morning could change in just a few hours time as soon as our next guest gets off the phone with us he's actually going to move on to more phone calls and more briefings cameron friesen is of course manitoba's health minister and joins us now good morning cameron good morning everyone we've repeatedly been told to stay home we know that's the message for days now but we know some people aren't minister friesen and they're not just going out for groceries they're going into businesses or spaces that have put them in prolonged contact with people and and i'm thinking maybe some of those salons that might still be open or tattoo parlors or other are we at the point that we need to order the closure of non-essential businesses well you know to answer your question you said as well there's been a there's been an increasing and significant encroachment in the last two weeks on the everyday life uh, that we live as Manitobans. And if there's one constant these days, it's the constant of change. Uh, so it's amazing to think where we are right now. We know why we're doing all of this. It's designed to keep a critical distance between us, to not have more contact than we need. And that will help to slow down the virus spread in Manitoba. And that will have a positive impact on our health care system. But, you know, as to when the next change will come, I say to Manitobans, the best thing they can be doing is tuning into those daily briefings with the chief provincial public health officer and shared health. It's a good way to find out what's coming next and to stay involved in this. Uh, there'll be another update this morning. So there'll be an update this morning. Is it safe to say we will see those kinds of restrictions like Ontario and Quebec at some point and, and perhaps in the very near future, Minister Friesen? 
Oh, I'm not telegraphing anything. I'm saying you have to tune in to find out. But what we are saying is this. Uh, Manitoba has been acting. Uh, we have been taking a, an approach that is in an abundance of caution. And Manitobans know as they look at areas that have higher levels of COVID-19 in Ontario, in Quebec, in British Columbia, they know that this government and this senior health leadership has moved to put conditions in effect sooner than other jurisdictions, and that's helping. So people shouldn't necessarily think that we'll bring a change the same day as another jurisdiction, but I assure them uh, that our senior leadership is looking at other jurisdictions, interacting well, and making the best decisions we can on what to do in Manitoba. But we know some people just aren't getting it. We got texts this morning and some concerns in small towns that lots of people are operating business as usual. So should there be an edict at least to some of those businesses that you, you, you can't open right now? You're not essential. I would tell Manitobans, and you're right, uh, Loren, some people are not getting it, uh, but I would say that the number of people who are getting it is higher and higher every day. We've been saying we need the compliance and cooperation of Manitobans, and I would say in many respects we are getting it. It's amazing to think how Manitobans are taking these steps, uh, creating distance, two meters distance, washing their hands more, coughing into their sleeves, not going into the workplace if they can. And yeah, we We've seen some interruptions in things like retail business and other things as well. And I think Manitobans can probably expect that at some point there will be another shoe to drop. Uh, but right now we're monitoring and we're asking everyone to comply. Minister Friesen, it's Greg Mackling speaking. And right now people being tested are those who have some sort of travel history. And so in terms of a community a spread of this, when do we change that criteria and start testing for people without a travel history as we move into that community transition phase. We make that change when the evidence supports it. We are looking at this point in time, and, and I know that our Chief Provincial Public Health Officer is watching for the evidence of sustained community spread. And then at that point in time, uh, we're going to have to change our thinking about who we're testing. Now, I can tell you in the background, there are a lot of success stories here. I can tell you even today, I'll just hint and say we're even doing better at our CADM Provincial Laboratory in terms of the daily tests. They've solved some problems there. And so I think Manitobans can expect that our capability there is going to continue to ramp up. I had a chance to visit there and see that hardworking team yesterday. It's incredible to see how they're solving problems. So all of those things will help. Those links will help us test more. But as you say, along this way, yes, we are going to have to change our thinking and turn our attention to sustained community spread as the evidence is there that that's going on. It's Brett McGarry here. Go ahead, Greg, if you have a follow-up. Yeah, if I may. Minister, I think that's a great answer, but there are a lot of people reaching out to us saying, you know, that there are people not getting tested. One of the criteria is, is that you've traveled. So how can we be sure uh, or know at all that this isn't spreading in the community, that people are, are really concerned about that caveat to testing? Well, I, I would say this to people. They should not be fooled. We know what this virus does. We know that COVID-19 in every jurisdiction moves from travel-based to community spread-based, and that will occur here as well. We also know that the growth of this virus in the population is exponential. So we have to try to push that, that number down. So that is the work that we're doing. However, I would say 
There's action being taken every day. As a matter of fact, only two days ago, the federal government enacted some provisions of the Quarantine Act. And I understand that as of yesterday, people can actually be on travel returning to Manitoba, detained if they're showing symptoms and asked to spend some time, I think a a week or two, in a designated place to make sure they don't go back into the population. So these are significant steps. There's more steps every day. But you're not wrong in saying we have to be monitoring, and that's where we're leaning into to make sure we're monitoring, trying to get the tests done, ramp up the number of tests, and keep Manitobans safe. Minister Friesen, we know you have to get out of here in about 60 seconds, so we'll just ask you quickly. It's our question of the day at cjob.com. Should liquor marts and beer vendors still be open during the COVID-19 pandemic? A lot of people have been asking us, why are they still open? So we'll ask you, what do you think? Well, I'd say this. Every day we're uh, rolling up our sleeves and and grappling with the list of what things should be open, uh, what things would it be uh, safer to close. Uh, None of that is easy. Uh, I can tell you that those deliberations will go on today as they are going on in every single jurisdiction. That particular question, though, belongs to another minister. I'm trying to stay in my lane, and I assure you there's a lot for the health minister to be doing these days. So uh, a big shout-out right now, all the health workers, frontline workers, and those behind the scenes, thank you for your amazing efforts every day. Uh, we're continuing to get ready. Manitobans should know that their government and all of our senior leadership is working hard to keep them safe every day. On that front, and just because I like to uh, I irk Brett on the clock here, uh, can't, Minister Friesen, many people are worried about the more vulnerable populations. The Alberta Premier has opened the Edmonton Convention Centre for homeless. Do we see that as a need here and a plan to maybe use our convention centre or another facility in a similar way for our homeless population? It's one step at a time. I would say that we're giving consideration to uh, all, all these kind of steps. Uh, we're trying to proceed on the basis of evidence. I think what you will see uh, from our government is an approach that is trying to put the needs of the vulnerable and, and those kinds of populations first. We're trying to solve problems first uh, that will benefit people uh, who will be uh, disproportionately uh, negatively affected by this event. So there's a lot of decision-making uh, that is yet to, to come, uh, but we're working hard in the background. Manitoba Health Minister Cameron Friesen joining us live on CJOB. Mr. Minister, thank you for this. Have a good day, everyone. By request for one Gregory Mackling, the Jeffersons. What made you want to hear this I one, think Greg? it might be a... Well, I've, I've heard some conversations that suggest this is the best television theme song of all time. It's it's hard to argue against it. Well, and that's the thing. I think when, when something's good, it, you, you can't say, like, it's. I can't listen to this and say it's bad. I think it just comes down to personal preference, right? Like, uh, a lot, Sanf- of course, is of it, course. Is it Sanford and Sons or Samford? Sanford. Sanford, S-A, like, like Sanford, Manitoba. Okay, yeah. That, that theme song often is, is named one of the best that there is. Yep. So uh, you could, Loren said, uh, what was your pick earlier this morning, Loren? I've already forgotten. Well, I said Danger Bay Dan- only because it was hilarious. But The Office is really, was really my pick. Okay, yeah. So let us know, 204-780-6868. What's your favorite TV theme song? And we've got just under an hour left. We'll see how many more we can get into the mix. But right now, uh, we want to talk about how the fact... Somebody pointed out to me the other day, you know what I haven't seen in a while? An airplane. 
Oh, and if you look on those radars that, that map them for you, the, the radar picture has changed. What we see at the airport has changed. And listen to this number, guys. Uh, yesterday, the Air Transportation Association said that the loss to its 290-member airlines this year would be about $252 billion, $252 billion. And we know there are huge economic ramifications of this global pandemic, but in a country the size of Canada, where our population is really spread out, keeping this industry afloat will be key in the months ahead. Yeah, and we've heard uh, for weeks now in that debate over whether or not we should allow residential development in and around Polo Park. The idea that the Winnipeg International Airport, Richardson International, is such a big part of our economy. We're joined now by Matthew Fisher. He's a foreign correspondent and international affairs columnist who this morning published a column on globalnews.ca with this headline, Eerie absent of absence of air travel amid coronavirus has repercussions on the economy. Good morning, Matthew. Uh, good morning, all three of you. Well, aviation is such a huge part of what happens uh, worldwide in terms of economies of, of cities, large and small. Fair to say? Fair to say, and as Lauren was alluding to, particularly important for Canada, you just look at Manitoba and northern Manitoba and what airlines that people maybe in Winnipeg who are going east-west don't think a lot about, but Calm Air going up to northern Manitoba and into the Arctic. These carriers are critical for Canada, and the people who work in these areas are critical. And uh, the flights just aren't going now. Thousands of people have been uh, uh, let go. Uh, WestJet, based in Calgary, has let go many thousands. Air Canada has, although it's a bit harder to understand uh, their numbers. Quarter Airlines, uh, which is fairly big in the east and does get out to Manitoba, and Air Transat, which does a lot of charter flights, uh, they're just about closed down entirely and will be closed down entirely within a couple of days. Devastating for the people who are losing their jobs, but uh, also devastating because it takes a long time to bring these things back. And what airports are being used for right now mostly are as parking lots. Airplanes are parked all over the place because of this. We know that emergency money has been put on the table for Canadians and businesses. Is there an argument that a separate bailout will be needed for the airline industry? Well, they're negotiating something. We don't know what it is. Uh, in Britain, they've uh, said it can only be part of a bigger package. Uh, Canada may be looking at something, I, I think they are, more boutique and just uh, aimed specifically at the airline. They are absolutely going to need help. They're overextended because they buy so many aircraft on credit and also because even when you close an airplane or an airline down, you must maintain those aircraft, and then you have to bring them up to the high safety standards required. All of this staggering amounts of money, and it will happen at a time when, well, we need aviation. People aren't going to have a lot of money in their pockets to go on to Vegas, as they do from uh, particularly from Western Canada or Arizona or Florida or anything like that. And, of course, not many will be flying down south to get on cruise ships. 
I was thinking, Matthew, you know, you raised the point about people not being able to afford to go and, and the difference between this and 9-11 where you had that fear factor in place that really limited so many people from traveling for quite some time. But there's another kind of fear at play here. Even if we get through this and the cases drop and we, we have a hold on COVID-19, it's a new world order. And I'm wondering if people will be thinking twicely about how close contact they have with others and even the countries they go to, given that we have to have faith in the other countries. And I'm thinking, say, Russia, for example, on what they've done in terms of how they've handled this crisis. And so it's faith in your airline industry. And then it's, it's faith in just the places you might be going in the, in the months ahead. Well, there's a, there's a tremendous international dimension. And one of my long complaints, you've heard it, Lauren, uh, is that Canadians aren't interested enough in the world. Well, this story has compelled them to be interested first in China, uh, then in Italy, and now what is happening, especially in New York City, and the potential ramifications for Canada. I am guessing we're going to see far fewer Chinese tourists in Canada. I'm guessing that far fewer Canadians will want to go to Asia. They won't want to get on uh, cruise ships. And uh, we're going to be sticking closer to home. I think people will be taking more vacations in the car. It may be a boon for Canadian parks and and things like that, but... uh, It is going to restructure our lives psychologically, particularly if this goes on a few months, as people get cabin fever. Uh, They'll want to get out and go and do something, but they'll be fearful of going too far, I think. Matthew, uh, a reset is something that so many people have been anticipating with the, the stock market maybe for a couple of years now, and there was really no sign that it was coming, but it's here now, and you mentioned China and all the changes that will be taking place in aviation. The technology that they have in China is overwhelming, and now their concern is keeping out people from other countries and bringing the coronavirus COVID-19 back to that country and what they're doing to protect their citizens uh, from that happening is extraordinary. It is. And it's a bit disingenuous of them because if you remember uh, early on, they were highly offended and said it was racism when countries blocked their people from uh, traveling. And now they have done exactly the same thing. But of course, they're saying they're doing it to protect their people. They're, they're not saying it's because they're racists uh, at all. Uh, and uh, in this, one of the reasons you made our prime minister said, uh, uh, one of the reasons we kept the flights going from China, uh, and, and we're one of the very few countries in the world that did alone that brought the virus into Canada without a doubt. But it was, we want to maintain friendship and Canada's not a racist nation. We want to show people we're not racism. Well, it is not racism to protect your people from disease, from infection. It it simply is not. But the the progressive feeling that so seized some Canadians that uh, even on an issue like this, we wanted to look at it in terms of our moral values. And the imperative at times like this uh, is you take care of yourself first, your citizens first. The first responsibility of every government is to make sure its people are safe. There is no higher responsibility for government.
Matthew Fisher is a foreign correspondent and international affairs columnist who this morning published a column on globalnews.ca with the headline, Eerie Absence of Air Travel Amid Coronavirus Has Repercussions on Economy. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Fisher. Much appreciated. Thank you. Nice to speak with you. McGarry McNabb. That was one of the theme songs we got tons of requests for this morning. Hawaii 5 It is a classic. And then, don't forget, they updated it in 2010. <laughs> have you never heard the, the updated version? <laughs> I have, but just the transition, like from the first to the second, that made me laugh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, one of them is a bit more aggressive. Had to... <laughs> Make it a bit grittier for a, a modern bit edge. More. <laughs> you know what I've learned this morning, guys, is how terrible I am. Like, if this is a game show where you have to guess the song or or the show it came from, every almost every single one that you've played this morning, I know it or am singing along with it. Couldn't tell you which show it was from, and that includes just now with Hawaii Five O. I was like, ooh, great tune. No clue what show this is from. <laughs> There are worse things to admit to, McNabb, not <laughs> recognizing television show theme songs. I would say it's, it's probably okay for your brain not to work that way. I don't think McGarry and I uh, have the same sort of claim, though. I, I would imagine uh, both you and I, Brett, were going, oh, yeah, I know exactly, and who the stars were, and and and, and on far too many of them. Too much, uh, too much space taken up by that sort of stuff, McGarry. And we can't talk about TV theme songs without playing this one because we always get tons of requests for There's a voice that keeps on calling me down the road Mackling, do you know this one? Littlest Hobo yes. We could almost do an entire show based on Canadian TV show theme songs It wouldn't be quite as long a show but i think there are quite a few that we can choose from over yeah i the think years. i think we've had a couple of people text us the beachcombers mm-hmm. that's the one where the, the with the intro where the the helicopter was like yes. flying over all the logs right yeah and relic oh, on yes. his sweet boat just cruising <laughs> through the harbor don't forget nick and the persephone at molly's reach which is actually uh, in gibson's bc it's a real restaurant at least it used to be once upon a time that's a that's a really neat place to visit just north of vancouver at gibson's hey thanks for listening to the start podcast we are available on apple podcast google podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.